Can we give Justin and Rachel a hand? They're doing an awesome job. Of course, uh, behind the scenes is uh, Justin Revis and of course our very own Henry Emmerich doing an awesome job with our video announcements. And they're fun. How many of you guys saw the second service and freaked out for a second? I heard some laughter, a little some tears, people in the fetal position crying. I, I heard it all. Um, no, but we do have two services coming up. We're super excited about it. That's because we've been growing so much, and especially our kids. Um, we have about 65 kids back there right now, and that's over capacity for us. So we're going to have to keep turning over, and it's been awesome. So keep bringing the kiddos, and we're passionate about serving your kids. But come on, invite somebody. We're going to be doing some special things coming up with our first service that first uh, January 28th. We'll have a breakfast available for those that want to show up and come to the 9 a.m. service. Any, any, any uh, early people? Any early people? Yeah. So come on, bring your kids, get some breakfast. It should be fun. We're going to have a good time January 28th as we begin this new season. So. A couple of other things they did mention, but I wanted just to give um, a, a little bit more attention to our prayer and fasting um, this uh, coming week, starting tomorrow night. We will actually be here every night from 7 to 8 p.m. We'll have an hour slot to come, and we'll open the doors, and we'll have a little bit of worship and some prayer every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Friday, we'll meet at 6.30. All this is on the app as well, all the events, information. On Friday, we'll have a, a, about a couple hour meeting, but the first hour, we'll do some testimonies like we do and worship and have just a great, and then we'll break the fast together and eat together and we'll have some just light food, especially for those of you that are full on fasting, you gotta go in smart and end smart. Um, trust me, you'll be calling in sick the next week if you're not careful. So uh, it's just a great time. We do this every year and we want to have, a, have an awesome opportunity to be able to break the fast together also on Friday. Again, all that information is on the app or our website. Also, if you want to follow along in your fasting, no matter what kind of fast you're doing, um, we're not going to call you and make sure you're only doing food or something. Uh, if, you, if you choose to participate in the fast with us, it's also voluntary, but we really want to encourage you to do something and no matter what you're doing, you can follow along. We have a prayer guide on our app as well as our website so you can follow along. And it's not just us, but the beautiful thing is our Every Nation church family, which is the movement of churches that we are a part of, um, all over the world. You have thousands and thousands and tens and thousands of people meeting and going to be praying and fasting together all over the world. Isn't that exciting? It's really believing. It's such a great time to start the new year. A uh, couple of other things. Um, after the fast, um, we have a, a great opportunity. I don't know if you remember Ernie Kruger. He came here this summer, and uh, he, he's our friend from down under. Actually, not down under. Well, not really down under. He's from Africa. But, uh, uh, so, but he has a beautiful accent. And so we love Ernie Kruger. He's coming in, and he's going to be preaching next Sunday. But before that, say Saturday. Say this Saturday. Thank you so much. So this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2, you can come and he's going to do a special training called Engage. I think I have a, yeah, called Engage. And it's just helping you engage people um, to know them, to get to know them, and ultimately to be able to share um, Christ with them or their, your lives with them. And so just being able to do that, he wants to do a training. I would love to see at least 50 people show up just ready to go, wanting to be trained for that. So from 10 to 2, we're going to have a great time, have some lunch. It'll be here and Ernie's going to be hosting us. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. Love for you to come 
to that. That's all announcements I have. Yay. Let's move forward. I want to talk today. I, I, would, I would title this message kind of a standalone because we're going to talk about prayer. But I would title this message, Love God, Love People, Prove It. Our prayer and the point of prayer and while we're entering into a season of prayer and even beginning the year with a fast like we do is for those three things, to love God, our devotion to him, to love people, which Jesus would say this, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you are. If you don't do anything else, do that. And then he said, and equal to that, or the same of that, or the way you even prove your love for God is you love people. And that's where we go, oh, I don't know about that, because there's a lot of people I don't want to love. There's a lot of people that don't deserve my love. And yet, Jesus not only says this is how we should act, but I'm going to show you today as we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, how he shows us how to pray just that as well as a people. So I'm excited about opening the word to you today. When, when some of you think about, though, prayer, I don't know about you, but I know we have a lot of different people in the room. Some of you, we had a, a, a group of about five or six people that went to the One Thing Conference over New Year's, right? Awesome in Kansas City, and they're praying, and they're bringing in the New Year with worship and prayer, and, and they're all pumped, and they are our prayer warriors. I mean, they're here. That We have, we have 20-year-old, 20-something-year-olds, and some 30-something-year-olds, and some older people that show up every Friday night to pray for you in this church with unhinged ministry. And some of those people, can you imagine 20 year, like 20 year olds praying? Yeah, praying and praying for you. And so when you hear prayer, when those types of people hear prayer, they're like, oh man, I'm in this. Let's do this, right? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to battle. I'm ready to war. Let's do this. I'm a samurai prayer warrior, right? I'm ready to go. And then some people hear prayer and they go, I know I should. I don't really know how. Like, and, and you just feel bad. And, and we've probably all been there. You're just like, I know I should pray more. Okay, new resolution. I'm going to lose 30 pounds and do the thigh master. And I'm going to pray more, right? So, so we have this. But, but then even we have some people that are just indifferent. Like, yeah, prayer, okay. You know, I'll say it every once in a while. If it gets a little bumpy on the flight, I'm praying heaven down, right? And, and, but other than that, you know, it's just kind of a formality. I'm kind of indifferent. Prayer, whatever. <clears throat> even me talking about a prayer and fast. Some people are like, okay, freak. And then some people are like, yeah, let's do it. And we have people on all spectrums. And we recognize that. And we, 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 we get that on a lot of fronts. But prayer should be something that not, we not only do, but we discipline ourselves to do. Just like other disciplines that aren't necessarily fun a lot of times, but we know they're productive. And, 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 you know, when me and my wife were first dating and then got married, it was kind of easy with the passion to be with one another and love one another and go on dates. But then as you get older and you have kids, you have other responsibilities, sometimes the dates become discipline and that's okay. Because love takes work. It's not always easy and roses and beautiful and feelings. Love is more a decision than it is a feeling. 
And so I have to discipline myself because I know the rewards and I know it's right to date or woo or romance my wife. The same thing sometimes in our prayer. Sometimes we have times where we're getting so much from the Lord and we're praying and sometimes it feels like nothing is happening. But I know that something is happening. I think the problem a lot of time is how we pray though. Because we can have a lot of different types of prayer. I don't know about you. When I grew up um, kind of going to church a little bit in a, in a Baptist church, again, not knocking, but it was just different. We would have prayer time and everyone was real quiet. When I ended up going to like a more charismatic church, everyone's real loud and it was freaky. So we'd have a prayer session and everybody's like, you hear just like grumbling and mumbling and like just like war it feels like. And then you're like over here, I kind of like the quiet. Let's just stay here. Shh. I'm just going to pray. And, you know, it's all beautiful, and it's all okay when it comes to that type of how, but the words and the things that we are saying are very important. And it's, it's very important to know how to pray. So much so the disciples didn't ask Jesus, um, teach us how to do miracles. Uh, teach us how to walk on water. I want to learn that one, Jesus. Like, that's, that's powerful. You know what I could do with that gift? Teach me how to raise someone from the dead. No, 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 no. They said, teach us how to pray because the way you pray, heaven is invading earth. And I don't get that. And so Jesus did teach them how to pray. And I want to look at some of those prayers. I want to look at the prayer that Jesus gave us. And I want to look at it with a new set of eyes today as we teach. But before we do that, I want to show you another one of my favorite Jews. His name's Ben Stiller and one of his prayers. Check this out on video. Like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. It's okay. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day. Amen. 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 Amen, Ben Stiller. Amen. When we think about prayer, we have a lot of different things we think about and how to do it. Uh, that's actually not a horrible prayer necessarily, but I want to look at how Jesus calls us to pray. So open your Bible to Matthew 6. 
we're going to look at several verses. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to come back and talk about it a little bit. So let's read the scripture together. Matthew 6, verse 5 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, we do have one on the app as well as um, up on the screen. Jesus says this as he's teaching on prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, a lot of us, or many of us, if you've grown up in church, you've heard, and and even if you haven't grown up in church, you probably know or have heard the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it's quoted in movies, it's quoted everywhere. And it's a beautiful prayer, but I think so many times we can get familiar with it And familiarity is the absolute enemy of wonder and intimacy. The more you're familiar with something, yeah, yeah, I got that. You lose your all and you even lose a lot of the essence and the beauty of what it is that Jesus is trying to get us to pray. There is a world, a universe, a galaxy in this prayer. And I want to kind of extrapolate that. Before we do that, I want to show you how he starts with two extremes. He starts by saying, hey, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to be seen and pray among men. He says, go in the secret place. Now, Jesus is not saying only pray by yourself because it's only authentic if you pray by yourself. All he is doing is getting into the motive of your heart and saying, don't like Ben Stiller, look around to make sure is this person listening. Be authentic with your prayer and talk to God. And if all you do is pray with others, there's a problem. You should have a time and a place and a secret place to pray. He says the same thing before this about giving. If you just give and then shout it out on Facebook or Instagram, look at how great I've given. Name every business ever to show our philanthropy and how great we are. He says, no, 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 give in secret so that God will reward you. It's something beautiful about saying, this is just between me and God, and I'm going to do it for you. And, and he, he starts by saying that. So he's not saying, don't ever pray in public. He's just saying, make sure your motive is to pray to God, not to people. Because that is a constant distraction for us. I don't care who you are, how spiritual you are. So he says, make sure that is right. Then he comes in, and he says, you don't have to have these long 
phrases and just babble on and on and on and on like he says the pagans do. If you've ever read like uh, Homer's Iliad or the Odyssey, you see these long several page prayers that, that Odysseus or different people will stand up and, and, and say and they'll pray to Zeus or different gods and they, they start the prayers by saying things like, oh, you're so great, please listen to me, you're the best and, and just all these things and, and trying to get them to give them favor so they'll listen to them because the gods are cranky. They're up and down. You never know what they're going to do. They might not even be listening. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to just blab on and on. And the beautiful thing is he says, then look at this prayer. And this prayer is really quick. It's really simple. I, I Just in this, this monologue, I could have said this prayer about 15 times. It's, it's simple, but it's powerful. And it's power-packed. He says this, God already knows what you're asking in prayer. And a lot of us think, well, if God already knows what I'm asking for, why even talk to him? Why even ask? He already knows. No, Jesus is saying, God already knows what you need, so ask. See, because he wants to talk with you. The power of prayer isn't an answered prayer. It's in communication and connection. It's in talking to God. It's in being in his presence. And see, this prayer is really power-packed. Let's look at it, and let's go one by one. Because I want to see, I want you to see, there's two sections to this prayer. If you can go to this last slide here. There's two sections to the prayer. This first 9 and 10, and then we have 11, 12, and 13. And again, there is a world in this. We don't have time to hit everything. But I want to show you a few things that I believe Jesus is trying to say and construct in this prayer. He wasn't just being frivolous, like pray like this. And he wasn't saying pray exactly these words and then just move on. He's saying pray these words but understand these words and get the world out of these words and repeat these things often. See, the Jews would have a prayer that they would pray. The, the, the Bible would say things like they would go and they would be doing their prayers. They would pray three times a day, in morning, afternoon, and night, or morning, noon, and at late afternoon. And they would have these three prayers that they would pray. And it was typically out of Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. And it's, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. May, you, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. And so... The idea was they would constantly have that before them and they would be praying that three times a day, no matter what. Well, I think Jesus had an intention not to replace that, but to add to that and to bring another world into that in this prayer right here. And my challenge by the end of this is that this becomes a daily prayer for you, whether it's three times a day, which we'll talk about, one time of day, but that you don't just do it out of familiarity or just out of rhythm, but out of the heart of what it really means. So let's check this out. There's two sections. The first thing is all about, you see, words like your, your, your. When we start our prayer, Jesus is saying, pray like this. I want you to start with God in mind. I want you to start with thinking about him. And really, number one, I want you to start with his name. Now, he says this, pray like this, our Father is already, I'm coming to God in a relational capacity, not in some kind of just oblivious uh, blob out there that I'm trying to pray to or summon, but in a relationship, my Father as a son or as a daughter, I'm approaching you, our Father in heaven, and he says this, 
Hallowed be your name. So the first thing he says is, let's focus on the name of God. Now, what's in a name? In a name is a, a reputation. It's the identity. It's, it's the, the, phys- the physical embodiment of that person and who they are. It's their character. And this word hallowed, if you've never understood, hallowed be the name. Really, in essence, what he's saying is, may your name be kept holy. Or become holy because it has been, um, you know, stepped on and messed up. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, one of my favorite movies in the world is The Matrix. Great movie. Great movie. Um, now, The Matrix Part 1 was awesome. I remember when 2 came out and I went, oh, and then 3 came out and I went, oh, and I hated it. And I heard recently they're looking at making another one. And I'm freaking out. But here's my prayer. Let's restore the name of the matrix. Because you messed it up. Some of you guys would understand this more with like Star Wars, right? Because a couple decades ago they redid Star Wars and it didn't go so hot. It wasn't so great. And now they're rebooting it. And a lot of you are like, please, 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 please. Let's restore the name and the origin and what this was supposed to be about. And this is what Jesus starts by saying. Think about our father and how great he is. And he's entering you into the world of this whole story of God, of a God who made everything beautiful and great and full of love and gave men and women choices. And we botched it up. We messed it up. We took it and we really trampled on the name of God. And he's saying, I have come. Jesus embodies the person who's coming back. This is a beautiful story. The person who's coming back to restore the name and the kingdom of God and to bring heaven to earth all over again and restore humanity and restore the earth and bring this beautiful story into a wonderful conclusion where we have messed it up. And he says, let's pray that God's name and his holiness, his being set apart from everyone else's uniqueness will be restored. What a great prayer every day. God, forgive me when I'm familiar by you or I bring you on my level and I'm just mad at you because you're not doing things and I forget you are in control and you are God. You are above me. May your name be restored or made holy, made set apart, made unique. And he says, start your prayers with this. Think about this, how great God is, how good as we just saying God is. Lest you begin your prayers with him on your level or under you as your butler or your genie, God. Because most of our prayers are, help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. Let's look at him. Remember who you're praying to? Let's look at him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So name, number one. The second thing he says is, your kingdom. And it's all about God's kingdom. And thirdly, his will. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. A lot of us have this idea that we're on earth and we have heaven and one day we're going to go from earth to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God is actually bringing and slowly restoring heaven to earth. So he says, here's what I want you to pray, that God's kingdom and God's, which is his rule and his reign, the way he operates and wants to do things comes to earth. Pray that way. This is an active prayer. This is not a passive prayer. This is God move. And imagine if you pray this in the afternoon while you're at work and you say, God, 
hallowed be your name, may your kingdom come and your will be done. And God's going, you're a part of my kingdom, so bring it. Imagine in your family life when you're praying this in the afternoon or at night together, the power that comes with this kind of prayer. God, I'm not asking you to remove me from the world, but send me into it with your power and your dominion because Jesus started it all and has empowered me to do that. Your kingdom. And how many times do we pray, Lord, help my kingdom, my finances? We're, we're going to get to that, but not yet because we're looking first at him, his rule, his way. Now he says, your will. I want to know your will, your kingdom. I need your will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And he says, frame your prayer starting here. Then look at this, the second half. Now he comes in and he says, give us this day our daily bread. So number one, the bread. The, the, the picture you're supposed to get here is the Israelites going through the wilderness into their promised land and God drops or brings what's called manna, which in, in Hebrew, manna means what? Question mark. It really means what? What is this? And this is the picture, my daily bread. They would have to eat this because they're in the wilderness. They're on their way to the promised land. And this is like us, like we're on our way to see the kingdom fully restored, but not there yet. God, I need your daily provisions. And look at this. Not only me, most of us pray this, give me this day, but Jesus didn't say me. He could have said me. He said us. Why? Because he wants us to have a corporate or community mindset, a congregational mindset. Because I'm not just thinking about me and mine. Because when I'm thinking about your and yours, I have to love God, which forces me to love people, not just me. So and if, and most of us in this room say, I've got my needs and my necessities. I'm good. But what about the person that doesn't? Are you praying and asking God to provide that for them too? And then does that stir you to go, well, I have 10 coats and I live in Houston. I don't need another coat. Maybe somebody needs one. I have more than enough. Maybe I could give to someone else. And this is how Jesus is beginning. Pray like this because it moves you to action. It moves you to act through his power and asking him to help and guide. Now, he then says, this is a big one, and forgive us our debts. And he doesn't stop there. He could have stopped there. This is a beautiful prayer. He could have said, forgive us our debts. Yeah, forgive me, Lord. But he says, in the same manner as I forgive those who have debts against me. Now, this one's really hard. But he goes on to say, which is really scary when we read the rest of it. For if you forgive others their trespasses, you will be forgiven. But if you don't forgive their trespasses, or if you refuse to forgive them, you will not be forgiven. This is scary territory. Now, this doesn't mean you have to reconcile with every single person. That means they have to be a part of it. But forgiveness, listen, comes out of the story of God. If I know how much Jesus has done for me and forgiven me, Jesus is, is almost saying the way you know that you love God and you love people and that you are a part of me is that you not only receive the forgiveness of sins, but you give it. And if you don't give it, you won't receive it. And it tells me you're not a part of me. You don't know me. And for many of us, we have people that have hurt us, 
that, 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 have, that have done horrible things to us, where how could I forgive someone like that? Well, first of all, it's not easy. And he doesn't say, if you struggle to forgive. He says, if you refuse to forgive, you won't be forgiven. And you know people like that. I'm never going to forgive them. Then you don't know what you've been forgiven of. You don't understand what Christ has done in you. And I guarantee you don't pray this prayer right. Because Jesus wants this so much in our hearts to think about others' needs, to think about the kingdom of God, and to think about forgiveness that he's saying, pray this constantly. You need to think about this. And if things are going wrong or bad things are happening, is there unforgiveness in my heart? Is there somebody? Listen, and, and, and unforgiveness or forgiveness isn't saying that everything you did is fine. We're just going to sweep it under the rug. In fact, Jesus is pretty powerful on confronting it. But what it does is it, it eliminates your rights to hold on or get vengeance. Now, many of us have reasons to not forgive, but you have in Christ no rights to not forgive. And those reasons can never trump your rights. Or Jesus says, if you refuse, I can't forgive you. Is he so particular about this specific thing? He wants you to pray it. He wants you to struggle through it. And he wants you to see your sin and what it did to him than your willingness to now be a conduit of that same grace and love. The last thing he says and I love this because he says, and lead us. And again, this is corporate. If he wanted you just to pray this by yourself, he would have said me. He said, lead us into, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what this says? God, bring your kingdom, bring your will, your way. Let's restore your name. Let's see heaven invade earth and do amazing things and miracles and God move and, and, and I want to see these things Lord bring us our provision and all of us provide for us let us be conduits of that provision forgive us but then he says this lead us not into temptation why would he add that because you will be tempted because things won't go great if you're living this way to invade hell and have heaven invade earth you will come against problems and an, an adversary, an adversity. People that never have problems, I have a lot of questions about. Everything goes good for you and everything's great. You've not walked with a limp. You haven't gone through enough. But Jesus says, trials, these things will come. But pray for deliverance. Pray, God, in the midst of it, deliver me out of this. And think about Jesus as we close. Jesus had two instances of great testing and temptation. First, when he started his ministry, he started his ministry with 40 days of fasting. And he's fasting and Satan, the accuser, literally comes to him and tempts him on several fronts. And it's really a revisitation of Genesis 3 in the garden and the temptation of Adam, the second Adam, Jesus. And you see his temptation and he fights through it. But then the last temptation before he goes to the cross, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's bleeding through his pores. He's so stressed out and he's asking, God, deliver me from what is coming. But he comes to the conclusion, okay, not my will, but your will be done. So 
if you're not gonna deliver me or get me out of the temptation, at least make sure in the midst of it, I'm delivered from evil. And you see the beauty of Jesus on the cross saying, they don't know what they're doing. God forgive them. You see this prayer encompassing all of Jesus' life and him wanting his disciples for it to encompass all of their lives. My challenge to you is not just to hear this and go, okay, that's interesting, but to take it and pray this, especially this week as we pray together and let it just mess with you because that's what it's supposed to do because it's supposed to get you to be centered on Christ, to need the Holy Spirit's power and to be socially responsible and think of others, not just yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the opportunity we have to look. Lord, we thank you for the preservation of your word and the beauty of your word. We ask that you open our hearts to not only pray these things, but act upon these things, to not only just think about ourselves but consider others. To only think about others, but mostly look at you and your story and your kingdom. Because it's the opposite, God, of what most of us think. Lord, you've done incredible work. Now use us and do work in us. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, we're gonna just sing a song here and worship at the end as we like to do. We also want to have a time of prayer and offer prayer. And maybe as we're looking at the Lord's prayer, you're, you're seeing some of these things. You're going, you know what? When I pray, I'm just thinking about myself. But I know people that are hungry and hurting that don't, don't have provision, and I want to pray for them. This is a great opportunity to grab someone and pray with them. Not just to pray alone, but as Jesus said, let us pray our prayers, the church, the people of God, together. It's powerful. It's the difference between one light and multiple lights in changing an environment. And I want our church to be a church of prayer. We're passionate about praying for other people. Maybe in here you're going, I've got people. It's not that I'm refusing to forgive, I'm just struggling. You know what? You might struggle until you start praying some us prayer some people with other people. Help me. How do you forgive? How do you get rid of this offense? Pray for me. And I believe that God can invade earth and give you breakthrough and deliver you. Even in this moment. Why else are we here besides to minister to the Lord and be ministered from him? Father, we thank you again for your guiding in our prayer. We ask that you move us to action to be about your business. In Jesus' name, amen.